steakhouse. But this ghetto steakhouse had a 20-foot high cow. And what I mean by 20, I mean the, the cow, cow, it was a massive cow, cow sculpture thing, 20 feet tall. It was gargantuan. So we would go to get the pizza, we'd go to pick up the pizza, and I would see this, this cow thing, and I would think, I, I think it wants to eat me. I, mean, I, I remember thinking, like, this thing is, is huge, and I, I was afraid to touch it because uh, it, it, it was enormous. And, but this is like, these are, one of the, these are the kind of landmark things that you have in Lubbock because there's literally nothing else. So they just make huge cow things and everybody just show up and eat your food. So that's why, that's why they do this stuff in Texas. So they had this cow thing and I remember being mesmerized and, that, and, and it, it, it was daunting and it was amazing. The other thing is, we please have a penny to throw in because this is how you learn how to make wishes. And, um, and I'm sure we've all done that at some point in time. You came around the fountain and you made a wish. You kind of did that as a kid, want a wish. Uh, and it starts with, like, I wish for a sucker right now. Do it. I need that. And that's where it starts. And then your wishes get bigger. And then as you grow older, what happens is you go from wishing for things to, like, having a vision for how things could be. And you start having a vision for what your life could be like. You students, you're thinking you have a vision. It's no longer like wishing well, but you go from wishing well to vision for, like, what it could be like when I have my own car and how amazing that could be. And then you start having a vision for like, hey, when I'm not in high school or I'm not in school anymore, you have a vision for that. And then we get into college and then we start having a vision for like, hey, it would be amazing if, um, you know, I just, if I had a roommate that would do the dishes. And that's your biggest vision at that point, right? You're just trying to, you're hoping for that. And then, and then it just goes on and on. You start vision for the significant other and then vision for the cool career or whatever it is. And you start to get pictures of what you th- hope things would be like. And you tend to get a picture for what those are like. Uh, And then what happens is, inevitably, and we've all experienced this, we have these big visions, big hopes, big dreams, things that we'd like to see. And then we get into those places, and it's not perfect. It's not like how you pictured it in your head. You saw something out there, you had a hope or you had a dream, and then it doesn't pan out that way. And what ends up is we we feel a lot of disappointment. Or sometimes, depending on those experiences, we feel a lot of despair. Or we come to a place of uh, uh, brokenness because not only did the hope not pan out, but it actually, the experience ended up making us really broken. And we've all been in that place where we have these things that are broken in our life and it feels like at times it's beyond repair. At some point in time, every one of us comes to this place where we see something in our lives or we see something around us that's completely broken and we know that it needs to be rebuilt. We're looking at something, we're looking at a relationship and going, there needs to be something that needs to be restored here. Or we're looking at a path we were going down, we go, that is broken, it's got to be fixed 
But we all tend to have things that if we were willing to take a moment and look out there, there are things that need to be fixed. There are things that need to be restored. There are things that need to be made new. Might be a relationship, might be a career path, might be uh, something going on in your home. There might be a, a really unhealthy foundation uh, in your workplace or the, the, the work ethic that you have. There's a there's hundred different ways, but we look out in front of us and what used to be an awesome, fun, exciting idea or dream, it ends up being really messy And there's something that needs to be rebuilt. We all have that place. Something has to be done. And there's two things. There's two ways we can go about addressing this. First is, in our super, really fast, busy culture, we can either, we can bury what we see or become numb so that we can just keep on living, meaning we're just going. We're going. Everybody's going 100 miles an hour. I guarantee you if I said, hey, how's it going? And we talked about your week, you'd go, oh my gosh, it was so crazy, so busy. We're so busy. What's easy to do is not really pay attention to the thing that's broken. We just, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to have to think about it. I don't want to deal with it. That broken thing out there, or that thing that's disappointed me, or that thing that I'm finding pain from, I just want it to go away. And so if I keep myself busy enough, we'll just go, 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 and I don't have to deal with it. That's one way to deal with it. Or secondarily, we can actually pause and say, God, what do you want to do about this? And then we step into it. But these are the only two choices that every one of us had. These are the only two ways we get to go. We all have those places where we go, God, I see and I know that there's something out there that needs to be fixed. There's a relationship. There's a situation. There's a circumstance that's in front of me. And I know that it's gnawing in the back of my mind. And I don't know that I know what to do about it. And we can either keep on going so that we don't have to pay attention to it, or we can push the pause button and say, God, I don't know. I know there's something out there. I know there's something that needs to be done. And I'm asking you, what do you want to do? And then, God, would you give me grace to step into it? My wife's really uh, good about this. My wife does a, uh, an awesome job. I just, I'm like, kind of like, hey, everything's good. We're, we're all right. And then every once in a while, uh, my wife, she'll, she'll, push that pause button, she'll say, hey, there's some, she'll, she'll ask her the question about something, and I'll be like, oh, I don't know, I don't want to have to think about it, I don't want to have to deal with it, and my wife is just willing to just dive into these things, but there's two opportunities there to keep, just keep on going, or there's a moment where we push the pause button and say, we're not going to do something, but here's the truth, God's in the business of rebuilding, renewing, and restoring, it's what he does. Revelation chapter 21, Revelation chapter 21, verse 5, it says, And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So here's what he's saying. If there's any truth that is being anchored in all of eternity, it's this. God is out to make broken things right. It's what he does. This is his business. And in fact, the entire record, that Bible that you're holding, the whole thing is actually from beginning to end, God finding things that are radically broken, people running from him, and God scooping them up and saying, don't worry, I'm going to fix this if you'll trust me. This is, what, this is essentially what the scripture is. Over and over and over, God coming to bail out people who have made a mess of their lives. It's what he does. 
That's the whole story. It's a loving, merciful God who's bringing good news to those of us who've made shipwreck of the stuff around us. We see something is it, that, that there's, it's not right, and God says, hey, it's time. It's time for us to look into this. It's time to push the pause button and begin to have this life restored. And so the question is, okay, how do we begin to step in to what God wants to renew? How do we walk through a process of God coming to restore, to make right that which has been broken? What is that supposed to look like? I love the blueprint that God gave us in Nehemiah. And for the next several weeks, what we're going to do is journey through this book and watch a process of God looking at a people who had made shipwreck of their lives, their faith, and everything. And he said, listen, I'm going to rebuild you. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to get you right through this. And so I'm going to grab a guy who's got a normal job. Not, I'm not grabbing a preacher. I'm not getting a religious folks. I'm getting a dude who has a job, and he's going to lead. He's just a normal job, and I'm going to lead you to a place of renewal and restoration. That's where you're going. And so that's what we're going to look at <clears throat> in Nehemiah. You're in Nehemiah chapter 1. Let me just set this up for you before we read it. Uh, here's the background. Uh, Israel had an awesome, amazing kingdom under King David. It was expansive, uh, unlike anything they'd ever seen. Uh, it goes from King David to his son Solomon. Solomon does a phenomenal job. Kingdom's still expanding and growing. And then after Solomon, it kind of goes downhill. And the short version is, is Israel splits into two nations, Israel and Judah. And then at some point in time, because they're not following the heart of God, they're not being faithful to him. Anyone ever been there? Amen. They're not following out for what God had for them. And they make shipwreck of their faith. And people come in and ransack the place. First starts with the Assyrians. And what they do is they come in, they conquer Israel, and then they take them in exile. They say, you can't live here anymore. We're going we're gonna to make you come to our homeland. And then you have to become like us is what they do. So they exile these people uh, to Syria, and the Babylonians take over the Assyrians, and we have another exile, and then the Persians take over the Babylonians. So it's one group of people after the next taking over Israel. All the people have been scattered all over the place, and that's what sets us up for Nehemiah. And that's where we begin to see that God, through a man, has a vision to restore what he started. There was a vision. There was an idea. It was totally broken, and God said, I'm going to fix it. But I want you to go through this journey. Nehemiah chapter 1. We'll start at verse 1. So the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekaliah. Okay. Uh, uh, let me just start here. The first, essentially, seven chapters are basically the diary, the journal, the journal of Nehemiah. So you're going to get inside his mind as he's experiencing it in the heart of God. Okay. Now, it happened in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year that I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem, verse 3. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. Soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept 
and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Now, I just stop right here before we go on. Now, the, this, this, the truth is, this is not new information. Okay. The ransacking and the destruction of Jerusalem took place 145 years ago. 145 years prior to this. This is not new information. Okay. However, God has opened Nehemiah's eyes to see something and experience and feel something he never felt before. You've been in that place. And I encourage you that there might be something that's been broken for a long time and you've not known what to do about it or you've just kind of kept going on, and that, but God's going to give you brand new eyes for something. He's going to give you a new vision and understanding. This is what's happening, all right? Because if you can imagine something 145 years ago, all right, so that would be like us going, you know, getting the news that Abraham Lincoln was assassinated and then we're all like weeping and mourning and fasting. And it just seems like a little bit off, like that kind of happened a long time ago. That, that was why, why all of a sudden, can you imagine if we all kind of came in here and started mourning and weeping and crying because Abraham Lincoln had been assassinated? It doesn't make sense except for that God began to open up his eyes. The spirit of God was giving him a new insight. And he was struck inwardly because all of a sudden there was a vision of God doing a work of restoration in him. That he was seeing somehow that God wanted to begin to do something in him. It's not new information. It's just new vision, new understanding. And this is what God does with us. Is will we be willing to receive a fresh vision for the thing out there that's broken, that God wants to restore? All right, because maybe, maybe there's something out there we haven't seen before, but God wants to begin to do that new work. And we hear God saying, hey, it's time to face this. It's time to see this with fresh eyes. I have something new I want to download into you. Now, listen, it's not, it's not going to fix that right away, but there's something new that I want to say to you about it. So what we see, Isaiah 43, verse 19, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Don't you perceive it? I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Here's what God's saying is, listen, I'm going to open your eyes you're going to be able to see that I have something new that I want to do here, and it's going to seem near impossible, meaning this, rivers in the desert. But I, I'll do it. But I want you to trust me and go on this journey with me. I remember uh, uh, when we first got married, I've mentioned this before, but my, my wife and I are both firstborns, uh, firstborn kids. And so um, we, had the, we had an awesome uh, dating and engagement experience because we didn't live in the same place. So it was awesome because I would come into town for like 48 hours. I would be totally about her. She'd be totally about me. And it was amazing. And then we got married and we figured out that there was actually real life we had to do. And all of a sudden, it was like, I was like, why aren't you always about me? And she was like, why aren't you always about me? And we didn't say it that way. We just stared with anger faces, you know, or whatever. That's what we did. We just tried to, and so our first couple of years was like, hey, get on the train. And, 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 because I was like, hey, we're doing ministry. And she was like, hey, we're married. Get on this train. This is the train we're on, the marriage train. So I was like, and, and so we, we thought those things were mutually exclusive and they weren't. We just had to put down our pride and arrogance. But I do remember, because uh, I was thinking, I'm going to win this battle. 
um, because I always win all the battles. And uh, you just, God teaches you that's the dumbest thing ever. And, and then he uses marriage to do that, right? But here's what happened. We were about, I'd say, a year and a half or two years in, and God, God said something to me, and I thought, this is, this is not going to work. Because he said, listen, your job is to serve her. And I, I remember him saying that, and then I remember thinking, if I go down this road, I'm going to get steamrolled. Because <laughs> that girl can go. All right? She got vision. She got stuff she want to do. And if I don't put up for my stuff, I'm going to get steamrolled, and this thing is going badly. But God had to begin to give me different eyes. He had to just give me a different perspective and different eyes for what was happening. And I'd say, <laughs> we're still married 13 years later, and we've somehow gotten on the same page, and, 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 and we don't, we're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. If you want to come up here and ask us about all our mess, you just come on up. We're good. We got mess, okay? But what I have seen is, what, what I saw is God asked me to see something differently, and I just re- briefly responded. He said, he, he's essentially saying, behold, I'm doing a new thing. And you think you're going to get steamrolled, but you need to trust me. And you need to be willing to step out in this. And I'll do a new work. This is what God does. That's what he does. So, so the, the question is, that what's the, how do we take that? What's that first step? And then just discovering, God, how do you start this rebuilding? How do you start this restoration process? And it's, honestly, it starts by us just being honest with God. Look here, look at verse 5. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 5. And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant. Right? So he just heard all this bad news. He's been just, he's wept. He's mourned for days. He's been fasting and praying. He sees something new. He sees something, this thing is messed up. It's broken. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know what to do. Now I hear, now I hear him cry out. O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We've acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Now, this is the sweetest, best place to be, is Nehemiah sees something fresh. He sees the issue, and he goes out there, and he says, okay, I just need to be honest with you. Our nation has made a shipwreck of this thing. We've totally messed up. And he goes, by the way, I've totally blown it. I have blown it. My father's house. Well, here's what he's saying. We've given ourselves over to worshiping other gods. This was, the, this was the sin of Israel, is they connected themselves with a group of people who had different gods. And they said, we don't care. We're not going to care about our God. We just want, we, honestly, what they said is we just want to fit in. We want to look like everybody else. And they gave their hearts over to other places, and they found themselves made shipwreck. And here's what he was saying. He was saying, God, I've done it too. I've done it too. Now, that's a crazy place to be where you just get gut level honest and you just go, man, I've made shipwreck. I'm a part of the problem for whatever I'm facing out here. Whatever has to be restored, here's my part. And he's just been honest. And I love that he does this because the truth is our messiness does not keep God from doing what he wants to do. 
our mistakes, our failures, it, it doesn't actually, it doesn't keep God from doing what he wants to do in our lives. It actually opens up the door for God to do the work of restoration. It's the place where God comes in and fixes things, what he wants to do. And so when we get truthful before him, when we're honest with him, and that we get on his timeline, we understand that God wants to begin to do this work of restoration. The difference is, though, what we want is that God's not going to do this thing overnight. God isn't going to rebuild what we want him to rebuild. He's not going to do it overnight necessarily. But when we see that we've been honest with him, we understand that, listen, this thing is going to go on your timeline. It's not going to go on mine. In fact, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1, we won't read it now because we'll get into Nehemiah 2 uh, uh, next week. But here's what he says. He says, it, it's four months later before he ever talks to the king. So God gives him a vision. He's been weeping, fasting, praying, and it ain't for another four months before he even says a word about the vision God gave him. So he sees that something's messed up, it's not right, it's not working, but he's, not, he's going there with the Lord. He's getting before the Lord on this thing. I'm, you know, it's easy to see something that needs to be fixed, and then we go try to fix it, especially you men in here, right? We're the fixers. So it's a problem, and we need to go to fixing it. And what God's saying is, listen, I've got, a, 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 I've got something I want to give to you, and this is not about busting out. This is about listening to my voice, hearing me. This thing isn't happening overnight. I have a vision, but it's going to be cultivated inside of you. And the question we got to settle internally is this. Do I believe that God's trustworthy? Do I really believe that God is good? Do I really believe that God is able? Do I believe these things about him? Not just say those things because they look good on coffee mugs when, you know, at six in the morning. But do I actually believe that God is trustworthy, good, and he'll, he'll faithfully carry this out? And I love what we see here in Nehemiah because his, his gut is wrenched before God. God wants to do something new. And he doesn't make a peep about it for four months. doesn't say anything to anybody. But he, lets, he allows God to begin to percolate this thing inside of him, move inside of him. And so I love how Nehemiah answers actually this question because, look, he just states the truth. He just speaks truth. Look here in verse 8. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses. So this is, I love, this is a great way, to, by the way, to communicate with God. Just say, God, I just want to remind you who you are. Really, by the way, when you're reminding God who he is, you're just reminding yourself who he is. But it's awesome to say, God, I just want to speak to you about you, and then we just get built up. So a little side note. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you're unfaithful, I'll scatter you among the peoples. So he's just speaking the scripture. If you're unfaithful, I'll scatter you among peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and your great strong hand. O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight, fear in your name, and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now, there's probably 12 sermons just in this one prayer right here. But I'll sum this up. Nehemiah knows the truth of who God is and so he just starts appealing to him. Not here. He's confessed. He said, I made a shipwreck, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to appeal to your goodness and your faithfulness. 
So, Lord, whatever has to be restored, I'm coming up under your ideas and your thoughts. I'm coming up under your truth. I'm coming up. I'm telling you about what you say. And I'm getting my heart ready to get lined up for what you want to do in the days ahead. There's something that you want to work on. There's places that you want to fix. And I'm setting my mind there. There's a relationship with my sibling or my kids that are broken. Or our, our, our home is not right. Our marriage. And I'm asking you, God, to do this thing. And I'm, I'm coming to you on your faithfulness. And I'm saying, God, this is you. This isn't about me. This is going to be your work. Your word says if the people mess up, there's going to be consequences. But if anybody has the guts to come to you and say, we want to follow you and trust you, that you come and do work of life and restoration. That's what you do. We see that when God's ready to build something, he's asking and he's looking for partnership. That's what he's doing. So when God casts this vision, he's looking for somebody that's just willing to go, I'm willing to partner. I'm, I'm, gonna come, I'm willing to come alongside you, God. I, I want you to do this in me. Let me just say this. Here's the truth. And I, I would say, I'd venture to say the majority of us know and believe this. God can do anything, anytime, anywhere he ever feels like it. Hear this. God can do anything, anytime, Anywhere he so feels like it. But hear this. But he's looking for partners. He's looking for partners. He's looking for people to come along and say, do this in me. Do this through me. Can I, can I do this with you, God? We're here in Tennessee because there was a, God, there was a call from God to say, hey, will you come do this with me? And we looked all the people in the eyes of this place and they said, hey, will you come do this with us? And we want to come be here and we want to see the kingdom of God shift the atmosphere of the city through this church. God is doing works of renewal and restoration. In fact, I'd just venture to say, if you're not in a place where you, you don't think God is wanting to renew or restore something in you, I just, I'm waving the flag saying, Start asking because there's stuff that God wants to do. There's things that God wants to make new. He wants to do it in this church. He wants to do it with this church and in this church, but he wants to do it in you. And here's what he's saying. Listen, I'll, I can do anything I want to, but I'm looking for partners. Will you come on this journey with me? That's where we're going over these next few weeks. What does that journey look like? What does it actually mean? How do we flesh this thing out? I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to ask God to give us grace to say, God, make me a partner and over the next few weeks, we're going to journey together on how to get there. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you that you're in this place. I thank you that you do the work of restoration, reconciliation. It's what you do. You renew, you rebuild, you restore. It's who you are. It's your record. From Genesis to Revelation, all of human history is littered with you doing your work. You're looking for partners who are willing to come in. So, Lord, whatever needs to be restored, God, we're saying, would, may we be your partners. In fact, even just where you're at, if you feel comfortable, just say, God, I want to partner with you. I want to be a partner. I don't know how to. I don't even know what it's supposed to look like. All I know is don't go without me. Don't go without me. Do this work of rebuilding, of restoration. But I'm with you, God, 100% of the way. Would you show us, Father, faithfully in the days ahead what this is going to look like? 
I love you. We bless you. We thank you for this time. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys stand up. We're going to do a, a quick benediction, just a blessing over you uh, as we go. Uh, we're going to have a few prayer partners up here. We'd just love to pray with you about anything that's going on in your life. You just need somebody to stand with you uh, for what God is doing. Uh, maybe God's stirring something in you. We just would love to do that. So we'll be up here uh, ready to pray with you. Uh, we're excited about uh, where it's going. I would say this. If you know somebody that's got a big mountain in front of them, uh, and they're just, they don't know how God's going to fix what feels like a mountain to overcome, I, I would encourage you, would you invite them to come be a part of this? I think there's some really life-giving words that God has to share over these next few weeks on how God renews, rebuilds, and restores. So, um, so do that. Bring somebody along for this journey this summer. Uh, if you feel comfortable, just put your hands out there. Say, God, I'm getting this from you. You don't have to do this. There's nothing magical. But if you feel comfortable, I'm just going to pray a blessing over us as we go. Father, would you bless and keep us? Would you make your face shine upon us and be gracious to us? Would you lift up your countenance upon us? Fill us with peace this week. You know, we just say there's nothing we can manufacture on our own. It all comes from you. So even as our hands are up, we release control of our own lives and just receive the beauty of your leadership over us. Lead us faithfully, God, into these days ahead. We're going to walk with you. We bless you in Jesus' name.